so welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Alltag, and thanks to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura, Lodge Service, and Intrepid Security. Now, my guest this week is Ruhi Magani. Now, Ruhi is the founder of the Allied Collective. Ruhi is an inclusive facilitator, well-known and inspiring public speaker. She specializes in leading inclusive training and workshops, helping various organizations achieve their equity goals. Now, with an academic background in psychology, an impressive bachelor's degree in business management, Ruhi founded the Allied Collective, Australia's first inclusive facilitation agency. Now it's an organization that aims to value every perspective and voice, and we'll come on to more of that in a moment. But welcome, Ruhi. Thank you for joining me. That was uh, an incredibly amazing introduction. Thank you. I'm very humbled, and I'm so happy to be here. Well, the the, the impressive thing is when uh, you Google uh, I don't know if you ever Googled yourself, but I did. I looked on LinkedIn. It is such an impressive resume. It's hard to know where to start when you summarize it. So many congratulations to you. Thank now, you. Now, before we get into um, the Allied Collective, I'm really interested. Uh, young Ruhi sat at school staring out of the window. What was the what was the dream? What was the intended career, if you like? Yeah. Let's just say I've always wanted to talk for a living. <laughs> I've always been the most talkative child in class. I used to get report cards being the teachers like Ruhi is a very talkative child and she could focus more. And um, fast forward, I talk for a living. So I've always wanted to be a speaker, a teacher. And for the last 11 years or so, um, I have been teaching yoga as a passion for the last 11 years, which really ties into my skills as a facilitator and speaker. So it's something that has always lit me up and drove me to be where I am today. And, and so talk to me about the journey. So there you are at school, those reports saying, yes, the, the, this student can talk. What, what was the journey? Where did the career start? Did you get straight in with, with, with somewhere you were happy with? Do you think this wasn't quite for me? Just, just take me through and the listeners the thread to, to when you actually kicked off uh, Allied. Yeah, wow. So they say success is not linear, right? And it's been a wild ride for me. So I had uh, an academic background, like you mentioned, in psychology, uh, political science and uh, philosophy, actually. And then I went on to do a bachelor's in business management and marketing. So two very different worlds. And then I trained to become a yoga teacher for I did an about 18 month yoga teacher training course in Mumbai. That's where I'm from, the land of Bollywood. And then I moved to Australia about 10 years ago. And overall, I've worked in industries like uh, advertising, sports management, technology, hospitality, retail for a considerable amount of my career, and also in the wellness industry before I founded Allied. So I think by virtue of lived experience, I've always been curious about leading different kinds of teams, how we think, speak, work and play. And because I've had such a variety of experiences through my career, um, it's always been fascinating to me to learn about different cultures. Um, so I've kind of imbibed all of my skills and experience and my passion for uh, coaching and training as well. And, and, and all of that, I have to say, feeds into uh, yeah, a very compelling proposition. You're very engaging to listen to. I had the 
the pleasure of hearing you speak recently. So I know a little bit about uh, uh, you know what you're doing now and and uh, the organisation. But for those that don't know, describe Allied Collective. What's the vision? What does it do? What what does it offer? Yeah, so the vision is to facilitate a better future in simple words. So it's an inclusive facilitation agency, which simplified means that I consult with committed leaders, organizations and companies uh, to develop their DEI or diversity, equity, inclusion strategies, uh, workshops needs, uh, workshop needs of their business, and then draw a custom plan to address the root issues. So it could look like a workshop series, developing a training module, or even overhauling an existing one. Uh, Paul, we know that diversity and inclusion is such a big conversation now, but a lot of the times uh, organizations need guidance and a strategy and a plan to make it an active framework in the business. So yeah, that's pretty much what uh, Allied Collective does. So if we, if we turn to our audience which is sort of loss prevention and risk professionals why specifically do you think they should or what should they be considering in the dnr the diversity equity and inclusion space what why is it important i know it's on the radar but but why should they consider it yeah absolutely when you think of loss prevention and diversity and inclusion you often don't think that those two worlds would collide and when I spoke at the Retail Risk Conference, by the way, such an amazing place to be. So congratulations on making it a huge success, firstly. Um, but there, I spoke a little bit about this. And when it comes to diversity and inclusion, we can't expect to attract a diverse customer base or stakeholder base if our current systems aren't facilitating inclusive practices. For example, from a profit point of view, right? Our retail stores want to be accessible and inclusive to everyone ostensibly. But let's say we want to make our stores accessible to disabled folks, but our stores don't have ramps or our clothing racks don't allow for enough space between them to navigate wheelchairs. So having worked in retail for about eight years, I've noticed that the lack of inclusion in the retail in specific can have a lot of risks. So I've broken them down into a few categories. So the first one is market risk. We know that not catering to a customer base, a retail business will miss out on so many potential customers and revenue. And according to HBR, we know that companies with a diverse leadership team are 70% more likely to capture new markets. And that is just too big of a number to ignore. Um, the next one is innovation. We know that more diverse teams are more innovative. And the reason being is very simple, is that the more diverse everyone's perspectives are in the room, the more out of the box ideas you're going to have. Uh, there was a study that was done which showed that diverse companies or inclusive companies were 1.7 times more likely to be innovation leaders in their market. Um, and again, this is backed by data and statistics. Um, the next risk uh, loss prevention professionals could look at is the obvious legal risk. We know that discrimination and bias in the workplace can lead to very serious lawsuits and penalties. 
Um, and then the other one is talent risk. We know that a lot of people are actively looking for DEI initiatives in the company that they're looking at. Um, and the next one, probably the biggest one that we can quantify is reputational risk. We know that when companies get DEI initiatives wrong or come across as tokenistic, they are taken to court by the court of people. And that's the most uh, brutal court. <laughs> yeah, that, that whole kind of, um, you know, the greenwashing, the, the, the fake, uh, yeah, I mean, social media will have a field day on that. Uh, absolutely. And it's interesting you mentioned there the success of a more diverse and leadership team. That reminds me recently reading about, I'm sure it was Goldman Sachs. Uh, and, and this is not because they're nice people necessarily, but from a financial perspective, I think uh, they, are, they might even have stopped investing in companies where the board doesn't have at least some degree of diversity because the traditional yeah, and I'm white and male of a certain age, but the traditional white male board is actually less likely to be successful than if you've got, and it's not just female representation, but it's a diverse leadership team. And so Goldman's have realized they get a greater return on their investment with a diverse team. So, hey, you know, if that's what it needs to drive it, then uh, yeah, I guess we, we we take that. Absolutely. And it's, very interesting you mentioned that study is because uh, this was maybe a few months ago now that a very big retail market player published in their statement saying we stand for diversity and inclusion and then they were ripped to shreds by people because they screenshot their executive board which was a hundred percent white and one female on the board and that was classic like you said you know tokenism and lip service that we talk about. Yeah, and often it's people can see it these days as well because you know the token female has the you know the the, the sort of the token job title as well to go with it, and you think that's just you know that that's just trying to make it look a little bit more inclusive, and it clearly isn't. So look, just take a step back for a minute. I'm interested. What does your day to day look like? So Ruhi sits down at the desk in the morning, having done your sunrise yoga, uh, opens the laptop. Um, but, but what what you know what does each day look like and I'm sure it's very very diverse but I'm fascinated to to, to hear what uh, what the days of the week uh, roll out for you like yeah I am currently a solopreneur so I do everything in my business and the vision is to have a team obviously in the future but from I guess marketing to brand building to networking it encompasses everything and I love that my everyday looks so different but my biggest I guess element of Allied Collective is connecting with the companies that I work with and to strategize and to plan so I ask a lot of questions so what I love about what I do is I never go in with a copy paste training deck of unconscious bias and here is your one hour training and your more inclusive congratulations that's not the way I operate so I consult with companies to really figure out what the pain points are I survey different people on their teams from various departments not necessarily leaders because sometimes you can get really honest answers from the most diverse departments in the business and try to figure out 
what might be certain pain points when it comes to DEI efforts. And a lot of the times it does come to the bigger picture things of whether it's lack of trust in leadership or it's tokenism or it's something um, else that needs to change. And it is a bit of um, a marathon because people think, oh, you know, maybe this is like a six month training program. It's an ongoing and continuous work because everything's changing, right? Unconscious bias training was necessary maybe in 2020, but we're well past that stage now and we just need to keep doing better and better. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime. 3X Logic. I think there's a there's a collective acceptance from an ever-increasing number of people of the relevance and how important it's not just the right thing to do, but it's the right thing to do commercially. But if I wanted to influence the board within an organization to get what we need for from a DNI perspective, what, what are your top tips? What what things do you think you need to avoid? I mean, you must have seen some some sites over the over the years what what are your sort of big do's and don'ts do you think yeah so firstly I think we're so well past the business case for diversity and inclusion like you said almost everyone is on board right so when everyone's on board those who are not they should be kind of having FOMO of why am I not doing this? Mm. However, we know that the most innovative and successful businesses, they're investing in highly intelligent systems of change when it comes to DEI, uh, investing in expertise, investing in technology, and they're more innovative because of those choices. And again, you know, they have 19% higher revenue they make better business decisions almost all of the time because of having those diverse perspectives in the room, especially when it comes to higher positions and titles. And we know that, you know, more than two thirds of job seekers on the market are looking for the DEI section of the website when they're recruiting or when they're applying for jobs. So it's no longer a nice to have, I would say. It's a need for every business that leaders just can't ignore anymore. Um, yeah. I, I, I think two thirds of, uh, of prospective hires are looking for the DEI uh, profile and statement and 19% higher revenue. So I think that probably says it all, doesn't it, in terms of uh, why it needs to be done. It really does. It was a McKinsey research. Uh, okay. Well, yep. Yeah, there you go. I'd be interested to know if they uh, if they match their. Uh, the, I mean, they must read that and then strive to uh, to, to have a, a proper process. So look, yeah. um, you've done a, a, an amazing job at sort of you know raising awareness and getting yourself to operate at, at the top of multiple industries. You know, what qualities do you think you know, a modern facilitator needs to have? So. I guess, you know, gone are the days of going in with the big stick. What's your what's your style when you go in? Yeah. And in that question, I think facilitator can also be interchanged as leader as well, because we're stepping into the era of inclusive leadership. 
So along with facilitation, I know that I'm also a leader when I go into a space and I facilitate a conversation. So when it comes to inclusion, um, from my experience and skills, we know that cultural competence is a big one. We're working in global teams from various parts of the world. So an understanding of how cultural differences can impact things like communication, interaction within a group, conflict resolution, things like eye contact. You know, we see a lot of cultures uh, deeming eye contact as a sign of confidence, but in a lot of other cultures, it's seen as a sign of respect. So, you know, those cultural nuances um, and just being aware of them and being able to promote a cross-cultural understanding and respecting diverse perspectives and where the other person's coming from and learning more about that. Another element would be for inclusive facilitation as well as leadership is emotional intelligence, is being able to manage situations as they arise because you're managing people at the end of the day with very human emotions. And at the on the other end, being able to manage your own emotions because there's some really difficult conversations, you know, leaders need to have. So it's very important to remain calm and neutral in tense situations and in difficult conversations. Um, another one is active listening. We have heard of the phrase, we uh, listen to respond and not often to just listen and absorb. So I think that is a very important skill as well. And yeah, things like flexibility, uh, knowledge of inclusive practices, potential barriers that could come in the way of, uh, for example, when we're facilitating virtually, are you providing closed captions and screen readability for folks, you know, who uh, have uh, hearing uh, uh, impairments? Yeah, I guess some of these things are, are so obvious, but we need them pointing out to us, don't they? I mean, you, the eye contact one, that took me instantly back to the first time uh, I went to the Middle East and and uh, and we you know did some business there and you know in the I remember actually being handed a uh, a one page sheet of the top 10 12 do's and don'ts actually by Emirates airline of all people That's who I was flying with at the time on doing business in the region and it was the eye contact it was handing the yeah. business card with with both hands it was having Arabic on one side of the business card and going Arabic. It's just really simple. Yeah. You're That's really so simple, impressive but, that they did that. Yes. Uh, yeah. But it was it. And, and you'd look at that and think, oh, that's not difficult to do. But the impact it had locally, it was also expect your first follow up phone call on a Sunday, which, of course, is the first day of the working week in that part of the world. So, yeah. you know, really, really simple things. So uh, but yeah, I think brilliant. So look, out of interest, everything that you've seen, is the one piece of technology or a process or something that directly affects inclusion in an organization? Is, is, there, a, is there anything that stands out? Absolutely. And there's a few, but I think the one that people are loving at the moment is AI. We're seeing it okay. a lot on the headlines more than ever. Uh, and in particular, using AI for recruitment and hiring. So we recently saw a massive lawsuit being filed against a business 
for bias within its AI recruitment and hiring processes. So the software that was used uh, allegedly enabled discrimination against people who fit profiles such as black, disabled, and over 40 years of age. Uh, in another company's example, uh, the system taught itself that male candidates were more preferable. So it penalized and basically ranked below uh, resumes that included the word women's. For example, women's chess club captain or any women's uh, colleges, for example. So you can tell that there's a lot more work needed to be done in this space from uh, a vantage point of mainly that reputational and talent risk. Um, and again, like I've alluded to before, virtual meeting platforms have become so important. And if your technology is not accessible to your customers, to your clients, and to your employees as well, uh, it's a really big opportunity in the market that we need to fill. And I'm, I'm blown away by that AI, the, the fact that, you know, you, you imagine technology to be completely unbiased, but the fact that I guess it's been pro because, you know, people say, oh, it's the technology, but it's not. There's a human being that set that technology up and programmed. You nailed it on the head. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is such a... Yeah, a copper. Yeah, such so as sort of people try and blame the tech. Oh, it wasn't wasn't me. It was the technology. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but the technology no. didn't yet create itself. There was, you know, exactly. There is an amazing documentary. I believe it's on Netflix. It's called Coded Bias, okay. and it speaks to exactly this. I highly recommend to all the oh, listeners. There you go. Thank you. That's that's my top tip takeaway. I should be uh, checking that one out. So look, finally, you know, in terms of retail and the future of DEI. How do you how do you see it? Are you optimistic that retail is going to put itself at, at the forefront, or you know do you see a lot of work still to be done? What, what's your take? You're you know, you're at the uh, at the sharp end day in day out. One hundred percent. I think retail and DEI is a very exciting space, full of opportunity. Um, yes, we make a lot of mistakes every day, but that's how we learn. So I think as open as we are to learning, the more we can progress and the faster we can move forward. So if you look at the retail industry as a whole, right, your biggest stakeholders are your customers and employees. And like I said before, we live in a world where businesses cannot afford literally to lag behind when it comes to DEI. I see an increasing number of companies taking some unique and amazing steps to improve in the DEI space, especially when it comes to inclusive marketing. So Microsoft, Etsy, and Ikea as well are doing some amazing work there. For example, Ikea has launched their Ramadan product offerings, which I imagine for the Middle Eastern market is massive. Um, another trend that I predict is personalized experiences for customers. So we leverage data and technology. We get a large amount of demographic data so we can create tailored experiences to suit um, unique needs of each of our customers. And in this way, we're providing a more inclusive environment for our customers, but then also training our employees. And that's the next trend is that training, that upskilling, that knowledge, that wealth of knowledge that exists in today's time uh, with focus on topics like 
cultural competency, uh, inclusive communication. So this helps leaders to understand their teams, employees to understand each other, and also the customers. So it's a win-win situation in every, from every angle. Mm. And finally, I do believe there will be partnerships and collaborations between companies and those companies who are leading the way in DNI because you have your resources, your expertise uh, to create such incredible experiences for your customers and employees and also leaders. Yeah, I think you, you you call it perfectly there because you're right. Sometimes I think you don't realize how much, you know, it's the unconscious bias that there has been in business, society as a whole. And just as we become aware of that, it is just that small shift in language, in terminology, in conduct, and then the doors open up. And, and as you rightly point out, businesses that get that right are hiring better talent, are seeing their sales increase, are being called out for it in a good way on social media. And so, yeah. you know, to your point, I think, you know, the, the future's bright for those that embrace it, isn't it? It really is. And uh, to what you said earlier, just by offering that little bit extra, not even a little bit, a very meaningful part of your offerings, for example, Fenty Beauty, just by offering their foundations in more shades of colors. Holy shit, Rihanna's become like a billionaire and yeah. we are here for it. And we are here watching and learning. I remember um, just you're talking about, you know, Fenty Beauty, but they um, uh, uh, plasters. So, you know, for cuts and things, um, and they produce the plasters in a variety of colors uh and they and they they just the sales exploded and it's yes. so obvious it's i know right skin. why would you want uh a why pale exactly why <laughs> it's so obvious but it really is blinkered thinking and then somebody just went actually do you know what not all of our customers are pale and pink uh with their skin tone we might want to diversify the range a little bit and you know sales exploded so absolutely yeah, awareness yeah Hundred percent. Look, I, I could talk to you for hours, really. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I wish you every success uh, on your journey as you grow the business. I have no doubt at all that you will go from strength to strength and continue to pop up conferences, uh, TV, radio around <laughs> Australia and beyond uh, in the near future. That is so kind, Paul. Thank you for your time and for having me and creating this space to have such amazing conversations i'm a huge that, fan that thank thank you for contributing but for now ruhi thank you very much indeed thank you paul